comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. Aztec Nation, what's good? Welcome back to another episode of the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. We've got a new three on today with myself, Trone, and Jacob. Before we get into all that good stuff, make sure you follow and like the show, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff on Spotify and Apple, the two biggest platforms where most of you listen. Follow us over on Twitter. Our community is live and active over there. You can follow me at Call Me Kinslow. You can follow Trone at Aztec Breakdown. You can follow Jacob at Aztec Analytics. You can follow Austin at Austin Bolton. And you can follow Carly at Car Car McGee. Well, friends... It's been about two weeks since the Aztecs uh, came just came so close to capturing a remarkable dream run. And, and really, in the end, it still was a dream run. So I want to kick things off today by just kind of talking about our final four experiences. So, Trone, why don't you why don't you give me like, you know, your favorite things, what you'll you know, remember it most, was, all that good stuff. It was a lot of fun for sure. And it's it's been a goal of mine for a long time to go to a final four. And I I thought the odds were slim that like I'd ever get to go when the Aztecs were going. Right. Cause even if they go, what are the odds that like, I'm going to be able to to do it that year. Something else might come up also. So uh, being able to go was, was really amazing. Um, Houston, I thought was a, was a fine city that there was a lot of, you know, figuring stuff out as we went. And like, you know, the first day, I think I mentioned the last show I took the, the, in city, not the shuttle, but the train, the Metro right there. And that didn't work out great. And the second game, I just drove I just took the rental car and parked in the lot and drove out. And that was so much easier. I didn't think it would be. So that was cool. Houston was nice. I went to the, in the off day, I went to the, uh, the museum of like natural science or whatever it's called there. I liked it. I would recommend if you guys like museums, I would Very recommend cool. if you're ever in Houston going, um, I went with Zoe. She has an old friend that lived in Houston. So he took us around and like showed us his favorite spots to eat and stuff. So that was cool. The big moments I think I'm going to remember, um, obviously Lamont Butler hitting that shot. That was absolutely amazing. And, and just sitting in disbelief and thinking that the reps were going to wave it off for some reason. Cause from where I was sitting, I couldn't see it very well. Right. And so just thinking the reps were going to wave it off and then they didn't. And, and, like I mean, Kyle, you mentioned in the last show, just like hugging random people and high fiving and doing all this stuff. Um, that that was amazing. Sitting in sitting in the stands, even during the UConn game when they cut it down to five, and uh, and and it's Ugh. you know I remember turning to Zoe at that point and being like, they might be starting to get a little nervous here. Because nobody's played them this tough. Maybe Iona in the first round. And that wasn't that late in the game that they played them that tough, right? By that point in the game, mm-hmm. that game was sealed up. And so I was like, they might be starting to and then and then of course they they drained a three. Like the very next play or two plays later. And I was like, never mind. Never mind. That, that, yeah. That's game. But it's it's fine. You know, they gave them a good run. So that's basically all we could ask for, I think, at that point. Um yeah, it was it was a lot of fun and and I know for me 
um, it came at, at a really good time. I, uh, I don't think I've shared this on the pod yet. I was recently diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, um, a few months back, which if you're not familiar with it, it's a condition where you're like, your immune system is eating your brain basically is what it is. Um, and so understandably that can be like a stressful moment. And so this run came at a really good time where I could like forget about that and just watch basketball again and be like it was a year or two ago or whatever. And so that was magical. And I think that's going to be my biggest takeaway, um, from that whole, from that whole experience from the run in general, and then also going to Houston. So it was, it was pretty magical. Wow. Yeah. I think incredible. What, what uh, I, Jacob, what you about know, you? The way I would describe this trip is just once in a lifetime. Um, you know, you can't always guarantee to go to a final four in general, but the fact that your favorite team is playing in the final four, best season ever the history of the program and absolutely no guarantees that this could happen again i think that's what made it so special and it made it so easy to want to be there just because of all the aztec nation all the former players the former staff just everybody that has been part of the program since you know the fisher dutcher era and you know, on, on top of that, it was just it was just a really fun weekend to be to be in Houston. It was kind of like a nice little vacation, uh, you know, in, in in April. Got to go to an Astros game, so we got to check off another ballpark. We went to uh, we tried to get to the Rockets game, but went to downtown Houston, walked around. You know, got some good barbecue, got some Whataburger, got some Waffle House, some stuff that you can't you know find in in San Diego, um, but. You know, just knowing that you may never have this opportunity again, just got to take advantage of it. Uh, on top of the fact that there is uh, one of, if not the best game ever with Lamont Butler hitting that shot, like Trone said, um, it just it just made the weekend so much fun and something that, uh, you know, I will never forget. That's for sure. So. Definitely. For me, I, I spent the trip with, a lot of Aztec Twitter, uh, fly Jeremiah, fly fit Jeremiah and I stayed together in the same Airbnb Airbnb. I, uh, got to reconnect with a very old friend, Rob Savage. He stayed with us as well. Huge Aztec guy Nice. works for Nike. So the plug friends, the plug, um, and, uh, Oh, over the mountain West conference tournament, I sat with, uh, JT and Bryant. Bryant is Lamont Butler stand and JT is his dad. They're both active on, on Aztec Twitter. And the three of us went to a Laker game. Thank you very much to, to JT for that. That was very fun seeing the Lakers in that. But, but for me, the, you know, the, the actual experience, it was so surreal, you know, just being, seeing the Aztec logo on NRG Stadium, walking up for the first time was <laughs> like I still get kind of chills about it because it really cemented the idea that we belong, that we are a good basketball program. And I, I, I told everyone my favorite after you know the shot and going crazy in the in the concourse for ninety minutes, well into UConn game here in the Woos and. And, and hugging random people after we lost the Yukon game. I don't think one Aztec fan was sad. 
you heard SD, clap, clap, SU, and the woos as we're leaving the stadium. And so what I'll remember most is a fan base that I personally have taken shots at constantly for not showing up to games, late attendance, not providing them with the support that they needed. Wow, did they show up for this trip. If you were in the pregame, they had like a little fan fest. Aztecs everywhere. Someone said that it was a 60-40 Aztec-UConn split. Absolutely not. It was 80-20, easy, in terms of number of fans there that just had jerseys or apparel on. It was eight Aztec fans for every two UConn fans. And considering how big their program is, that they've won national championships before, and we're first-timers, I'm so proud of that. I'm so proud of that trip. And I think that everyone, the one of the cool parts about this experience, everyone has had that one of our three experiences in some capacity. They all had an amazing time. And if you didn't go, you're going to have FOMO until you're hoping for the next one because everyone who made the decision not to go or couldn't pull that trigger to on those tickets and, and that expense, all they have mentioned to me is how much they regret it. So I'm hoping that we can make it back to a Final Four uh, again so that those individuals can, can uh, have that experience. But man, it, it was it was an incredible, incredible time for Aztec Nation, for the team, for the players, and just a there was just a sense of vindication uh, for the whole weekend. For I know that 2020 team had the they had the shirts. I think it was like Redemption or something was on it. I saw Caleb Giordano with it on, um, and like. KJ Fagan's mom tweeting out how she felt connected to this team because it showed that they really could do something with that squad. And it just kind of was this, this closed chapter to what if, right? The what if question. And I think it really did a lot for, for us Aztec fans in terms of how we feel about this team. I know for me, Lakers have always been my favorite team sports team by a mile they're in the playoffs and I honestly could I I was watching the game last night and I'm like do I really like this team more than more than the Aztecs and because of how many people I met and how many friends that I've made on that trip and I have that connection now with Aztec basketball that I don't have with the Lakers I don't have a lot of friends that really support them that community that sense of community something that I really enjoy that I really get a lot of from my Arsenal soccer group, that it's the sense of community that they bring to. And, and man, it was just, it was an awesome moment. So we're here. We're, we're national runner up finished um, the season in the last game possible. Remarkable. And so really the question is now, where do we go from here? Right? Where do we go from here? And it's funny because Texas Tech not so long ago made a Final Four. And I don't know if you guys know what's going on with them, but they were dreadful last year. And we're going to talk about one of their players potentially coming to SDSU in a later segment of the pod. But they did not capitalize on their success. Now, granted, their head coach immediately left for a neighbor bigger program, and they lost a top five lottery pick in that draft uh, turned out to be a bust in the NBA, but that, that, that's irrelevant. He was a great college player, 
And I think that, that this Aztec team is actually really set up for success in the future and really able to capitalize on that run. So, so Trone, talk to me about the boost that it's no. going to give this program. Honestly, I don't. Th- I think the boost is being overhyped a little bit by fans, and I hate to say that because I don't want to be like Debbie Downer, but I think, I think it's kind of natural for us as fans to set these like really high expectations. And I'm trying to hold myself back from that because I'm just going to be sad when those expectations aren't aren't met later, right? You brought up you brought up Texas Tech, right? They went to the the championship game in 2019. Uh, they lost. There was no tournament the following year. That same coach made it to the round of 32 the following year and then left. Right. Um, and I'm sure they were saying very similar things about like, this is going to help our recruiting. This is going to help our brand recognition. Right. And it, I, I don't know that it really, it really played out that way. And I, I was looking at some other examples too, right? Loyola, Chicago, the year before, made the following four, they didn't even make the tournament the following year. And that that even seems like a better comparison because that's not a, a big 12 team. It's not a power five team, right? And so none of this stuff is is guaranteed. Wichita State had some success after their final four run in 2013. They made a lot of tournaments afterwards. They never made it back that far. I think the furthest they made it was like a sweet 16 under the same coach. Um, so... There are there are lots of examples of teams that like aren't the big brand names making it this far in a magical run and then afterwards not doing a whole lot. Wichita State is probably the team that like sustained sustained that success the best. Maybe I mean Gonzaga, but Gonzaga was so good even before they made that run, so it wasn't as fluky for them. Um, so I honestly I honestly don't know how much of like a boost this type of run is going to get. And I think coach Dutcher says it really well when people are like, you're going to be able to get some really good players now. And he's like, I just made the national championship game. I have really good players right now. Right. I think that's like a more positive way of looking at, at kind of how I'm looking at it, but I don't know. I don't know how big of a boost of recruiting it's going to be Kyle. I know you're a big NBA guy. Do you know what's the guy he used to work for the Suns? I mean, Al Hassan, I want to say. Okay, yeah. So he was talking one point I mean, about in free agency, the things players care about is number one, money. And number two was like a combination of like, what's their, like, do they get to play how they want to play slash like play it all, right? So minutes and play style, right? Those were the two main things. And being on a winning team was far below that, right? That mattered if you were a superstar you could and you could choose whatever team you want but if you're not one of those guys it doesn't matter and with NIL the way it is right now i wouldn't be surprised if college players see it the same way right and obviously relationships with the coaches is going to be huge in college as well um so for the most part like in terms of recruiting i don't think it's that big of a boost and, and I mean, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer, but I, I don't think it's that big of a boost because it's the same coaches. So it's going to be the same relationship wise, right? Um, there's going to be a little bit more money in terms of indirectly, in terms of like, can they upgrade facilities? Can they do this and that? Because the money they get from the tournament run, I do think there will be a little bit more brand recognition. So there is that. Um, but the NIL money isn't that much bigger. So like, 
you know, if, if somebody's looking to get paid in college, those guys aren't coming to San Diego state. They're going to wherever Villanova or, or Duke or wherever. Right. So I, I don't know what type of impact it's going to have in that regard. Um, I, I think a lot of fans are setting themselves up for disappointment. I think it helps just not a whole lot is kind of my take. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure, you know, I totally sure. agree Jacob, with that what are your assessment. Thoughts? Um, you know, brand recognition wise, it helps a ton, obviously, because, you know, every single final four graphic, every single, you know, uh, NCAA national championship graphic has SDSU logo. Right. And people are naturally going to stumble upon that. And that's synonymous, with, you know, with San Diego State. Um, and I actually saw this cool thing in an article. It said there's been an 88 percent increase in the university in page views on the university website and a 59% increase in traffic to their admissions, the university also received an equivalent of $200 million in free advertising. So yes, brand recognition, 100%. Like Trone said, recruiting, I mean, unfortunately, due to other schools, NIL, I just, I don't see any, you know, five-star guy picking San Diego State over at Kansas if they come knocking. It's just, that's never going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Not only do we not have the money, you know what I mean, but, it, you know, it's it's hard to compete with the, the history of, you know, some other programs. Um, but the brand recognition, no doubt, it's it's definitely there. Uh, J.D. Luster, who, you know, he's basically like the recruiting, the recruiting guy. You know, he says we have national relevance now because we played in the national title game. And we think we can not only, you know, solidify the West Coast, but we think we can expand throughout the United States and possibly internationally. Um, it's easy to say we're a final four team and not go, but it's another thing to say we're a final four team and be there. So that part of the recruiting where you're pitching something that you've, you finally got to, right. I think that's big, you know, in terms of uh, what message you, you sell your recruits with, because all you got to do is point at the banner. It's, I mean, it's right there. You saw it magical moments in March. So yeah, but you know, if those big power five schools, if, if, if they really want a guy with their NIL packages, you know, they're going to go get a guy over, over SCSU. But, um, you know, we're doing everything we can to change that with, uh, the, the Mesa foundation, which I think we'll touch on a little bit later. So. Yeah. So this is funny. Cause I'm a lot, <laughs> I have a much more positive outlook than the two of you. Um, now, I, I, what I will say is I don't ever, I don't think any, I think any Aztec fan that expects us to start just getting five-star guys overnight is out of their mind. Uh, but what I'm thinking is we get a Malachi Flynn, a Malik Pope, a Reese Dixon Waters level player a little bit more frequently. And that's just going to incrementally take our program up. I'm not expecting we're going from the best team in the mm -hmm. mountain West to we're the best team in the pac 12 overnight. That's not going to happen. Or the best team in the big 12 overnight. That's not going to happen. But like Luster said, we have some really key pipelines that the Aztecs milk the ever living crap out of Northern California, Riverside, Inland empire. We dominate those areas. Now, if we can start getting two, more locations like that, right? I think that maybe Vegas can be one. It's it's kind of we've already kind of been there in the past, 
Um, and we haven't been able to hit on some of those guys that, that are coming out of that area. Um, and, and just other areas like that. So we go from a program that I think the, you know, we're hoping to win a, a, mm-hmm. a, a, a March madness yep. game every single year, or at least hoping to make the tournament to the goal now is second weekend. Like let's win two games in the tournament. It's not, let's win the natty. We could never play for a final. And, and I want to make this very clear. We could never play for a final four again. And we could still be an incredibly successful program, much more than we've been in the past. And that's where I see us. I see us as the best currently non-Power 5 program in the country. And that's saying a lot, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's also not saying we're going to beat Kansas every year. We're going to smack Alabama every year. That's not the case. And I think what this team really has showed and what – Brian Dutcher is creating is we're the redemption team. We're the team that you got under recruited in your first location. You still feel a little bit disrespected. Come here and prove everybody wrong. Look at Darian Trammell. Look at Jaden Ledee. Those are those type of players that showed out in March Madness. Getting those guys more frequently is where I see us. And I think we can't level up in the Mountain West. There is a cap on what we can achieve playing in the Mountain West Conference. So conference realignment can't get here soon enough. I also think that if that deal hasn't been signed for the Pac-12, SDSU is probably going back to the negotiation board and trying to feel out maybe other conferences. They have that bargaining power because they're hot right now and demand is high. Um, One of my favorite quotes to talk about just sales and, and the market is from The Wire. Where, um, where the quote is, the price of the brick is going up and it's because their demand is so high. And I think that's kind of the way with the program. And the way that you're going to see that is demand for the program is going up locally as well. So I already, as a season ticket holder, am expecting a bump in what I'm going to have to pay for my season tickets next year. And it is worth it. And everyone who goes to those games now understands that and they feel it's worth it. So to speak to Trone's point, better facilities, upgrading VA Haas, creating a better environment, these incremental things that have been there before that we haven't been able to attack and obtain are here going to be here now. And that's how you go from being San Diego State, we make one Final Four, no one ever hears from us again, to we're able to keep Brian Dutcher, we're able to keep Dave Velasquez, we're able to recruit slightly better, or at least get those conversations with the kids that we might not have been able to have those conversations before. And I think the brand identity that Brian Dutcher is building, you heard them speak about how they treat the kids and Man, I thought it was a masterclass. So I think it is going to help our program. I think both of you probably agree with me that you're, we're, our, we do have the potential to see that incremental boost and that can carry on success. But we're not going to see this, this powerhouse program that's just automatically we're better than UCLA every single year. That's, that's just kind of unrealistic. Um, and I think, like, like Jacob said, the Mesa Foundation now is more important than ever. So I know for myself, I'm willing to pay whatever it costs to keep my season tickets, and I'm going to do whatever I can to campaign for Mesa Foundation or maybe even volunteer. I don't make enough money to really have an impact. I know how many graduates SDSU puts out. I think that is incredibly underutilized right now, and this is to the people that run the Mesa Foundation. Carly, 
Bolt House Bolton. She is a fundraiser for work. You're talking about someone who's great at her job and has been dying to volunteer for you to help you. You need to talk to her. You need to talk to her. She can help and she's willing to do it for free to help the program. So there's a little plug for Carly. So let's head pivot to some team news. Uh, this past week, both uh, Lamont Butler and Jaden Ledee announced that they are going to declare for the NBA draft while also maintaining their uh, eligibility. Trone, I don't have much, um, like you said. There? So they've both declared. The one thing I would add is uh, don't be surprised if Keisha Johnson does the same thing. I haven't, that's not sourced or whatever. Um, there just seems to be a lot of smoke around that rumor that like he shot is, is thinking of doing the same thing and he should, right. I think sure. it was, it was a couple years ago that, that I, I want to say it was coach Dutcher was like, yeah, everybody should be testing the draft as much as they can every year or whatever. I don't know if there's a limit on how many times they can do it, but every year you should do it to figure out what you need to get better at. Like that's, that's, you know, the whole, the mm -hmm. whole point of being able to do that. So yeah, don't be surprised if Keisha does it. Um, I have heard from people very close to both of them that the plan is to test, get the feedback and then come back unless something drastic happens, right? If, if one of them is in there and somebody guarantees that they're going to take them in the first round, obviously they're going to stay in, right? Maybe even for the second round, I I'm a big proponent of like, if somebody's going to draft you in the second round, go because you're going to get better. If that's your full-time job, as opposed to like, if you're playing basketball in college, but also doing school, like you're going to improve more if it's your full-time job. So I'm a, I'm a proponent of if it's a second round go, but the plan for right now, barring some either really good news in the draft, or um, if somebody transfers in and is going to steal minutes, right? That could change things as well. But other than those types of things, both Lamont and Ladie are planning on coming back right now. Uh, I just want to point out how awesome that is that you're able yeah, to Jacob, do that. Any thoughts on that now, you know, in the past, it was you either declare, or you don't declare. If you declare, can't come back. But now you see the will maintain college eligibility. I mean, that's free feedback. What what could you ask? You know, how much? There's nothing else you can ask for. You know, when you, you go through a college season and you feel like you're getting better, but you kind of want to know what the people that are in the business think about you, how they want you to improve, what they want you to improve. It's it's almost like a cheat sheet in a sense because you can come back you know, after that. And that's, and you, you know, you can just work on that straight up in the summer and, uh, you know, Im improve your game the way that the people behind the madness told you to do so. So, um, that's, that's such a great, a great option. And, um, you know, that's not something that I don't even know if college football allows you to do that, but that's really neat that the NBA draft and, and college basketball, you're able to test the waters. Um, even if you're, you know, testing the waters, knowing you're going to come back, why not go for it? Yeah. And I've heard that you, you, they'll be doing workouts for pro, pro for pro scouts. They'll be communicating with pro scouts, getting that information on their game, right? That's huge. And if nothing else gives you something to work on in the summer and makes you a better candidate for those big money markets, not in America, following your college dream, right? How many guys have I Jamal mean, Franklin how much money has 
has uh, our boy made over in China. He's um, Jamal Franklin's made. I think he had like a fifty million dollar contract or something like that. That's that's your your family's history changing money, and that's all. Like that's the that's the Hooper dream, right? You go and you take care of your family forever, um, and specifically with those two guys, there are areas in their game where I think they can improve to really become better pro prospects, whether it's in the G league, like Jordan Shackle has been playing in or it's overseas making a bag. I think those, both those guys have an opportunity to improve in their game. Um, I think that if Ladie comes back next year, you're going to see him taking a lot more open jump shots I, from the top of the three point line. I've, I've heard that, that, that that's his number one, like and, from somebody who knows, really just, I've heard that's his number ahead. one priority of the off season is three point shooting. Yeah. Great. Yep. Amazing. Cause I think that that would add a, another level to this team that we've never had, but well, that we've only had when we had Yanni Wetzel, which is a big, that can, can step outside and hit those shots. Um, and Lamont Lamont's really just ball handling and, and playmaking. I would say um, the thing that really <laughs> Lamont boosted his stock about as much as any non guaranteed first rounder could boost their stock. He had an all time, tournament run like we're talking as good as he could have done in my opinion and god i'm so proud of him he's such an e like both those men but are and that's just something that's really cool about sdsu basketball it's so easy to root for these players they're just they seem like such great people and and the last point that i want to make before we pivot to our, our our kind of final topic which is recruiting um i don't think that these guys when you declare for the draft you're in it for two reasons. You want to get better or you want the bag. And if you look at somebody like TJ Bamba, who declared but entered the portal at the same time, mm-hmm. he very clearly is saying, I want to get paid no matter what next season. And I know he's going to announce his – like I just saw Rothstein tweeted out that he's going to announce on, on April 14th, um, which is in two days from when we're recording. And uh, it, it looks like it's going to be Villanova, which is a huge NIL team. So that's going to be – uh, good for him, right? But it's Lamont and Ladie did not do that. They said basically we're keeping our options open, and like Trone said, I've got. I think we probably have very similar sources that are saying we'd love to come back if it doesn't work out in the NBA. Um, specifically because if you look at the history of guys that done, look at Matt Mitchell. Matt Mitchell's living in France, making a good living, making money, playing playing professional basketball. And I think that that is. I mean, if we become a team where you're going to go to Europe and play and and we've got three guys every year. That's an incredible roster for, for any college program, especially someone, a program that's as new to success as San Diego state. So let's pivot to recruiting. Cause yesterday it was announced that PAC 12, six man of the year, Reese Dixon waters has committed to the Aztecs. Uh, let's go with Trone. Trone. Talk you know, to me about Reese. Reese is, Reese is really interesting. Um, his, numbers in and of themselves like when i look up his player impact plus minus it's it's not good in fact it's below average last season right um like none of his counting stats i don't think really at least they didn't jump out at me maybe you guys had had different opinions but they didn't jump out at me right from the get-go um i do think it's important to note that there's like a lot of context that goes with that in the sense of I get it sounded like Ziegler wrote that he was injured coming into last season. And then I think he had a separate injury during the season where he missed some time. And so those things both kind of 
color the numbers. And if he's, if he's trying to recover from an injury, it might slow him down a little bit. Um, any number of things there, his, his, I posted on Twitter a couple of days ago, his shooting charts, one from his sophomore year and one from his junior year, his sophomore year, he was red hot behind the arc and anything inside the arc was not great. And then last season behind the arc, not so great until the very end of the year. Uh, but inside the arc, those long twos, those Matt Bradley type of jumpers, he was fire at, he was almost 50%. Right. And it, it very much reminded me of, uh, Kawhi Leonard's trainer, Clint Parks talking about he's on Twitter. I haven't seen him say it in a while, but he used to talk about like the mid range is a layup if you practice it enough. And that's what Kawhi does. And that's why he's so good in the NBA. Um, so there's a lot of that to it. And then at the end of the year, like I said, his three point percentage just started to tick up. I've had a bunch of people mention me on Twitter and be like his, his, you know, stat, he was over 40% over the last seven games. And I'm like, that's great. That's a really small sample though. So I'm not, I'm not taking that for for what it is right Micah Parrish did the same thing the year before and he he shot like 35% this year which is still solid and I think Dixon can shoot 35% from three um the thing I'm most excited about is he seems uh I don't like more explosive than Matt Bradley was I think he's quicker I think he has faster feet both on offense and defense Matt Bradley was a very talented scorer but he wasn't super good at just blowing by people he had to kind of lull them to sleep with his skill and his savvy I think Waters will be able to do a little bit more of just the blowing by people and staying in front on defense and stuff like that that's what I've seen I still am looking to watch some more tape I was on planes all day today um so I haven't been able to do as much as I would like, but that's what I've seen so far. Yeah. So I, uh, I looked at some of his, uh, okay, Jacob, points for possession percentiles and, uh, I think, uh, Trone hit the nail on the head. I think the injury probably had a lot to do with it because offensively it was just, he, he was definitely below average and half court, uh, offense. He was below average, uh, pick and roll offense. He was about 50th percentile. Uh, spot up shooting he was in the 15th percentile and uh you know last season he shot uh above 45 percent from three this past season he shot just under 30 percent. so I, I think the 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 injury possibly you know coming into the season as well as one happening during the season kind of you know messed up his rhythm but when I looked at him defensively last year, it didn't surprise me at all that this is the type of player that we were we were targeting. Because I look at his half-court defense, he's in the 80th percentile, um, really good on the pick-and-roll defense, really good on screen defense, um, struggles a little bit against the catch-and-shoot, but a really good on-ball defender, and he was super good at the rim as a defender. I think that's you know a lot of athleticism right there. So um, it didn't really surprise me to see that he had these splits like this, where he was definitely much better on defense than he was on offense, because obviously our philosophy is you need to know how to play defense. You need to be willing to play defense because, you know, more or less everyone can score in division one basketball. Right. So I think, uh, you know, his numbers are perfectly fine. I think him being healthy is going to help a lot. Um, and you know, I think that, uh, this was a, a huge get just to say USC, you know, pac 12, six man of the year transfers to San Diego state. There's some of your, you know, brand recognition. There's some of your, uh, recruiting help sort of thing right there. So 
I'm I'm excited to see what what he brings to the table uh, this uh, this off season and this year. J- J- Jacob, I know it's early. I, I want to know what you think, real early. quick. Do you think he Go just slides into Bradley's starting spot, or do you think there's going to be a competition between him and Parrish? I'm like so torn on what I think is going to happen, and I can't decide. Um, you know what? That's a great question. I, I guess. Obviously, Matt Bradley was the go get a bucket for me guy, right? So I, I guess that role m- might go to who can go get you know a bucket when you need him to, you know at a at a higher um, rate, if you will. I don't know, you know if 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 Reese is better, you know creating a shot, getting to the rim than than Micah Parrish is, but but I think if you're going to replace that role of Matt Bradley. It's gonna be, you know, the guy that can can go can go score some points fast. Um, but yeah, that that's actually that's actually a great a, a great point because they would they would probably be competing for that same spot, huh? I I feel like it's probably gonna be a competition, and I'm really curious to see who wins. Um, I just got ten minutes ago. Keyshawn Johnson tweeted he's entering the NBA draft while maintaining eligibility and also entering the transfer portal. I just got that sent to me. So live yeah. breaking news that everybody's going to hear. You know, the, you the day later after they see it on Twitter. But that's fine. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Good for Keyshawn, man. Use yeah. everything you can do. You know, uh, um. When when we I think it was in an article and he said yeah my options next year are everything I'll come back I could go to the league or even transfer I think you know him even mentioning the transfer portal was kind of a sign but go hey go get yours Keyshawn you know what I mean yeah um, before now that we have the breaking news and I'll touch on recent a little bit uh, I, I think KJ's gone. I think he is somebody that needs to maximize his dollars right now because he had he had a great national championship game. He played solid throughout the year. This was his best season by far. And he's probably not going to play in the league because he's not as skilled on the offensive end of the ball as an NBAer. But he can make money uh, locally in terms locally in terms of the United States. And I said this on Twitter, good for him. Go make some money while your family and friends can still watch you play before you go overseas for the next five plus years. Like it just makes a lot of sense. And on top of that, I think the roster construction and some names that we're going to be mentioning in a little bit, pair that with Ladie and has his success and his just complete domination in some NCAA tournament games this year. I think the writing was on the wall that it might be best for both parties to move on. And that's okay to say that. And as an Aztec fan, I think that we'll all support him, whatever his choice is, whether it's to come back and play for us again, whether it's to go to another team, make more in NIL money, or whether it's to go to the NBA. I think the Keyshad's in the situation where I don't think there's a wrong choice for him and whatever it is, he can go do it. So back to Reese. I have a buddy who's a season ticket holder for USC and which he said he would be surprised if there were as many people at a USC game this year that were at the celebration for the final four for the Aztecs, 5,000 people. That was the the number, right? It felt 
I heard it felt much more like 8,000 and there were more people that didn't actually go into the stadium, but still, um, he also said that USC basketball last year was a disaster without Boogie Ellis and Drew Peterson on the floor and that their coaching staff seemingly couldn't get on the same page uh, with any other lineups that didn't involve one of the two of them. And it looks like, uh, based on some stats, it looks like he came in as the first sub for one of those two players, primarily Drew Peterson, frequently. And Boogie Ellis isn't some incredible shot creator. He is a score for first point guard. And I think that that kind of rubs against what uh, Reesticks and Waters is, is all about. Um, and so he thinks that he's going to thrive in a system that where he is the guy. Uh, and even if he's not that starting three that I think we all might want him to be, and I think that the competition idea that Trone posed um, is a great one, and I think he and Micah will duke it out. Even so, even you can see Micah this year, my, we're going to need a score to be a high-usage guy off the bench, whether that's Micah or Bradley, because Seiko's not coming back this season. And I think that he's going to get the opportunity. And we beat out Texas, which is a huge program. And I guarantee offered more money than we can in, in this, in that. And um, yeah, I think it's a huge thing. Side note, maybe the reason he left is because that starting two job is going to Brawny James. So that's something to, to think about um, and, and as we move forward here. We ended up losing Trone. So he is... I hope if he comes back on, great. But if not, no worries. But we'll just keep on rolling here as, as Trone's having some technical difficulties with his internet. So we've talked about Reese, and there is a lot of smoke around another transfer. Um, reportedly, and this is from my personal sources, someone is coming in this weekend who, and I was told I'm not going to get the name because they really, really want this person. And they're trying to keep it under wraps. And if you kind of look at who we've been linked with, there's really only one other player. And that is Texas Tech portal transfer, Daniel Bacho. So, Jacob, what do you what have you seen in the limited stuff you've looked at for Daniel? Yeah, so um, how do you see he's very mobile. So last year he averaged eight, six and uh, a block and a half. But but he's very mobile. Um, He's really good around the rim. Um, he was an 81st percentile in half-court offense. Uh, he's really good in the pick and roll. Um, really good offense rebounder, too. He was in the 93rd percentile in offense and rebound putbacks. So he's a, you know, he's a, he's a big that is very mobile, loves to attack the rim and, you know, get those boards and finish. And he was in the 90th percentile, you know, around the rim, whether that's, you know, back to the basket or, you know, uh, post up, face up, whatever. Uh, defensively, kind of the same very good defensively in the half court he was in the 95th percentile at defending the post up which is very encouraging 82nd 82nd percentile against the isolation so you know guys going one-on-one versus him didn't work a lot for those you know individuals and then just like on offense at the rim he was in the 90th percentile so this is a very balanced big who is very mobile but is very good at protecting the rim. Obviously, Nate's biggest strength, um, one of the best, if not the best, uh, at protecting the rim. 
Um, so I think, uh, you know, Bacho is, is just like Nate, but perhaps even a little more mobile. Definitely. Um, I watched a few of his games uh, uh, this past season, and he absolutely screams Yanni Vetzel to me in terms of what he likes to do. You mentioned the pick-and-roll offense. That's actually – Nate was good rolling to the hoop, but Nate wasn't willing to take a jump shot. He is, just like Yanni. And with guards like Lamont Butler, or if he doesn't even come back, you look at Darian Trammell, his success is coming off of a pick-and-roll offense. You saw in that Alabama game, they spam that play where he comes around the corner from the wing and hits that three. And if you've got a big guy who can force you to guard, to, to hedge, he's going to burn them. The game that I would like to direct everyone to, if you want to go watch some highlights, is the game against Creighton. Because Kalkbrunner and Creighton caused us problems too. Daniel Bacho absolutely destroyed Creighton with his activity, his length, and his quickness. Uh, he ended up having, he was 7 for 12 in that game He with one three-pointer. He had one block and five rebounds, 17 points. If you look on the reverse end, Kalkbrunner, who's usually going to lead their team in rebounding by a wide margin, only had six rebounds and only 10 points and really was kind of neutralized by Bacho's movement. Now, Bacho did get hurt last season and uh, is coming off of an injury. So maybe that's kind of a theme that the Aztecs are, are looking for right now. Guys that might be a little bit undervalued due to health reasons, which, hey, I get it. That's a good good strategy to have. Um, I think that if you're going, you're, the plan is to start Jaden Ledee next season, I don't know if you're going to find a better complimentary big that can allow you to do what you did this year on offense and defense and then expand that into a bigger, wider range on offense and defense next season. He seems like the perfect complimentary piece to spare with Jaden Ledee because then you're going to have two mm -hmm. post-monsters like when you played Mensa and Ladie this past season. However, they're very complementary to one another. And if you if what we just talked about with with Ladie working on his three-point shot being a thing and I know it will be because you can just tell that that's the thing that he's going to be working on. Um and you pair that with a little bit of growth from Bacho from that area, not only do you have two guys that complement each other, you have two guys that are interchangeable with each other. And then on top of that, I am a big uh, Elijah Saunders fan. I love his game. I think he's going to be a good, solid player for this program. I think he also would play well with Elijah in terms of letting Elijah move to the four or using Elijah's power to pair with his speed as well. So I think it, I think Daniel Bacho would be a fantastic signing for us and really keep the level of the program kind of where it is uh, today in terms of talent, in terms of plug and play, in terms of just let's keep this, this momentum going. I think Daniel Bacho would be a really good signing for Aztec men's basketball. And so that takes us to the final name. And this is funny because Whenever Trone or Austin or whoever else has some, hears some news, they immediately reach out to me. 
and or I immediately reach out to them. And we love to share sources. I have one on a player that literally no one else has heard mention. And this comes from a source who we've talked about this in the past, said that Boogie Ellis was coming to San Diego State, said it was a lock and didn't happen. He also said the moment that Reese, after the event, he texted me and he said, he's coming. There's no way based on his reaction that he's him and his family aren't going to commit to San Diego State. So I heard that on, when was that? Saturday, last Saturday, that Reese was going to commit. Um, He has told me that the Aztecs are in for former Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year out of Oklahoma State, Musa Cisse. Now, one of the interesting things with him is I know there's a bunch of waivers and stuff like that, uh, but this would be his second transfer. So I believe he would have to sit out a year and then would only have one year of eligibility left. So I could see why the team might be prioritizing Bacho, who I believe has two years of, of eligibility left uh, with his COVID year um, and can come and play right away. So that is the difference there. But let's just yeah. So I mean, I've, I've watched stats, it in passing, Jacob, I know, you know, not, not necessarily like say, a good analysis, but last year he averaged seven and eight, uh, almost two blocks a game, which is I think that's like in the 97th percentile. So obviously really long great rim protector um offensively in the half court he was average he was good in the pick and roll but when you put his back to the basket you put him in the post he he was average um i know trone emphasized his um ability to to rebound the ball offensively um you know he 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 probably isn't good as uh, you know from the offensive standpoint as Bacho is, but defensively, um, he's long, he's lengthy, you know, he's got those big arms that can block shots. Um, but I, I think there's some areas where he gets beat around the rim a lot. His his at rim defensive, uh, you know, defensive points per possession is in the sixth percentile. So it seems like. You know, that, that could be just getting beat. That could be going for block shots and missing, you know, that sort of thing. He's good uh, as a post-up defender. He's good versus the pick-and-roll man. But, uh, yeah, those that's just kind of a, br- a brief synopsis. But, yeah, your source for, uh, you know, telling you about Cisse, if, if you know, if, if that was right, that, that'd be a good one because I, I haven't heard anything about him on Twitter. And trust me, much time on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I think it's, it's one of those, this is the type of signing that you make. This is what we wouldn't be doing in, in the past. In the past, we'd be going for one of Bacho or Cisse. And I think we're going for both. If, if the source is true, right? Take it with a grain of salt. Could be complete bullshit. The only team that I've heard linked with him is West Virginia. <laughs> um, San Diego or West Virginia. I mean, that's not even a competition. Uh, But for me, he is a post anchor big. He is as old school of a center as you're going to find in college basketball. He is also as good of a shot blocker as you're going to have in college basketball. And those Oklahoma State teams, they couldn't stop anyone. The perimeter defense on those teams was horrible. I... 
watched a game this year where I had them at the end of a parlay, and I don't think I've ever seen worse perimeter defense in my life. So I think part of his issue was he was having to protect the paint from multiple guys coming at him, not just one. And when you have somebody like Lamont Butler on your team now, of course, he might not even be able to play with Lamont if he were to come here. Um, that would be something all to, all different because we saw at the end of the season when the Aztecs really took off, it's when Nathan Mensa started clicking on defense and Lamont on the perimeter and Nathan Mensa at the hoop and it crushed teams. It took two options away right from the jump. And I think that that's something that most teams don't have. Most teams have one good player on defense and to have two really good defensive players. I think it just takes your team to the next level. The one thing that I will say is he is after watching him a few times. And once I heard this link diving into the film a little bit, one of my least favorite parts of Aztec basketball for the last four years is any time that Nathan Mensa touched the ball outside on the three-point line. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I had nightmares about it. Nothing good ever came from Nathan Mensa touching the ball on his own at the three-point line. Cissé's worse. Cissé, for a, the further away from the basket he gets, the significantly worse he gets. But oh, yeah. what I will say is, at the paint, blocking shots – he is remarkable. He is remarkable. And if we can play that funnel defense where we funnel it to the hoop to force guys to take tough contested shots, he would be great. But for me, if I'm picking Bacho or Cisse in terms of which one is better for our team now and for the future, I'm going to take Bacho. And the fact that I've heard a lot around Bacho and only one source is trying to, to, to confirm Cisse, I think it's pro the, the writing's probably on the wall that it's probably not at they're not as high on him as they were Daniel Bacho. But I think these these kind of these names are who we're going to be linked with in the future. These really good players. Now Yanni came from a extremely small, didn't play at all school, and we saw him fit in our system, and it fit like a glove. Right? Bacho is a better basketball player than Yanni Vetzel but he can do the same things. So this is the kind of incremental increase yeah, yeah, that I'm talking Vanderbilt. about. We go yep. from, did he go, did he play at Vanderbilt? Yanni, is that where he played some? Yeah. Vanderbilt. So like a bench guy from Vanderbilt coming in to fill your do it all, everything starting four role to a starter at the big 12 coming in to fill your do everything five role. Those are just the little incremental increases that we make. College basketball is is not like the Final Four isn't like hitting the lottery. You don't just instantly become a millionaire because you made the Final Four. Your program doesn't go from being a four-star program or a three-star program to being a five-star juggernaut. That's not how it works. But capitalizing on those incremental increases and Daniel Bacho and Reese Dixon Waters for me would sim uh, signify that. That's what you need to take advantage of and just continue to, to get 1% better every single season. And sooner or later, you're going to have, you know, a program completely different. I also want to say that for everyone watching, if you have any doubts about defense, go look at Matt Bradley at Cal. Look at Matt Bradley, his senior year at the Aztecs, this last season at the Aztecs. Night and day defensively in terms of effort, in terms of knowledge, in terms of positioning. It's just, it's completely different. And that's the program. 
the program will take your defensive numbers and immediately increase them because if you don't, you don't play. And they talk about that with recruiting, Dutcher, Velasquez, Fisher, everyone associated with the program always talks about, well, if you don't play defense, you're not going to come and play for us. That's just how it works. That's what our program is built on. So those defensive numbers that you might have questions around with, with Reese or with Daniel Bacho, if he were, if we were fortunate enough for him to come, I think you're going to see a huge increase Reese moving forward. Okay. So that's all we've got scheduled for today. Any final thoughts on the final four recruiting where, but before, before we take off, this wasn't in the notes. What else do you think that the program can add in, in recruiting right now? Cause, cause this is a off the cuff conversation, but you got two freshmen that every single person was high on this year. I, I heard only good things about miles bird and Elijah Saunders. They both ended up not really playing primarily be just due to rotations and the, the end of the season kind of justified that, right. Um, they're going to play next season for sure. It feels like they're both bodies on the team. Um, and you've got some two, two really two more freshmen coming in. So those guys will be sophomores, two yeah. more freshmen that are coming in that are pretty highly rated. Yeah. And, and by all accounts, BJ Davis was one of the four or five best players in California um, over, over the CIF playoffs. We're not saying he's, he's, if he was, listen, if he was good enough to go to Duke and make a ton of money, he would have decommitted and gone to Duke. But I think he is a special offensive talent. I think he is somebody who can really move us forward. Where, where do you, but um, there's going to be other names. Uh, like an elite three point shooter. Like we're short I think um, right now would, would be a tremendous help, you know, kind of like a Jordan Shackle, someone who, you know, will take so much attention from the other team's defense that he's valuable without even touching the ball sort of thing. You know, obviously Adam Seiko had an incredible year shooting the ball, but, you know, he wasn't able to just catch and shoot. It, it had to be very specific for him to be able to, to get a shot up. I know on Twitter I saw some names like, uh, you know, we reportedly reached out to like a Jalen Cohn from NAU, I think I read he he ended up finding a place. Another one was a Nicholas Timberlake from Towson. I'm not sure that he has, but um, in, in some of those first players' names that we contacted, they're on Twitter. The one thing I noticed with a lot of them is that they were very good three point shooters. Um, so I, I think maybe maybe just another elite th- three point shooter, um, you know, would be desirable for for next season. Um, you know, especially if, you know, we get our, our big or bigs, like, you, you know, we've been talking about, um, and then obviously the guard play is, is good with, you know, re-sticks and waters. And then obviously what we got returning and then the freshman, like you said. So I think, I think if there's one guy I could target, uh, maybe not one guy, but one type of player would be, would be a elite three point shooter who we can, who we can trust on the outside. We haven't really had anyone like that since since Jay Shack. So, definitely. Uh, for me, I think there is only one real glaring hole because I see. I, I think that you could pivot off of the shooter and go with scoring off the bench, and uh, I've heard amazing things about Miles Bird's playmaking ability and his. Uh, ability to make those around him just get open shots. Um, 
And so that could create better looks for Micah Parrish, for Reese Dixon Waters, for um, Darian Trammell, for Lamont Butler. And it's funny because DT had an incredible three-point shooting tournament. And if he does that for us next season, that's going to offset pretty much all of the Seiko shooting that we missed. And you saw it in the tournament. Seiko really didn't have a great tournament. He, especially in the final four, um, irrelevant. Don't want to talk bad about the guy winning his Aztec ever love him to death. Um, but it's, it's one of those things. You're right. We, and we've had a sharpshooter on the team for five, six, seven seasons in a row. Um, I mean, go back to, like Matt Shrigley, yep. Chase Tapley. Yep. We've always had that guy who, when he catches the ball in the corner, he's hitting that shot. You just know he's hitting that shot. And I don't know if we have that this this year. I think that I am I am a Micah Parrish truther. I think that he is – I think that Reese is going to push him. I, I see things in him that I absolutely love. He has a killer mentality. I think he can give us that boost. I don't think the program is about playing freshmen. I just think they haven't done it at all over the last couple of seasons. There have been some guys that came in. I thought that Saunders would be great for us this year, and they just he just didn't get really get his chance. Um, the one area that I think that we're we're gonna yeah. lack is an energy three, four, five, a like a rope. That's the I think where we're missing missing the most. Um, and you know, yes. we've been in uh, on. Alan- Deloach, on the right? guy from VCU, um, and his what's his name? I, I I'm gonna find it right now. Jalen Deloach, Jalen Deloach, and it's he kind of seems like the absolute perfect Agueca Rope replacement. And the problem is, we're up against some monster programs: uh, Indiana, Penn State, Miami, Florida State, and we're the mm-hmm. but but if you think about that, every single one of those teams is East Coast, and here come San Diego state. That's what I'm talking about. This is the thing that I'm talking about, but Deloach really feels like that guy who can come in, take the rope spot, energy, defense, rebounding score around the hoop. I just worry that one, would he be willing to come off the bench because all signs are pointing to a Jaden Ledee insert other big, he's more of a three, four, an effort player. He's not a, a traditional center. Um, and I can tell you that if, if Ladie is, is being told we need you to shoot three pointers, he's not going to want to play back to the basket as much as he did this season, or at least take as many back to the basket opportunities. He's going to be on the, want to be on the perimeter. And I don't know if Deloach has the body to play the five or <laughs> I haven't right. watched him think about a rope, smaller guy, Absolutely remarkable post presence in terms of offensive game, drop step, pivot, sealing his guy, his basketball IQ through the roof. Uh, everyone kind of seems to say that same thing about Deloach, that it is just a remarkable, he's just an energy guy who does incredible things, um, right? His his defensive rating is 88.7, a 108.1 offensive rating, 1.4 yeah, blocks yeah. per game, 1.1 steals per game. Uh, five double doubles. I mean, that's a rope. Like that is pretty much a rope right there. Um, and so that energy big off the bench is huge. Uh, and, and I'm thinking that 
you know, the other thing is once he announced that we had contacted him. I haven't him, seen anything on Twitter. I, I saw he has posted he taken uh, an official visit? a couple days know. ago. He said um, decision coming soon. Uh, and that was that was what a week ago yesterday. So, so but I haven't seen anything in terms of visits or anything, honestly. Yep. Yeah, eight days ago. Yeah, and then his like his current mm. coach or his high school coach, one of something like that. He's got some connection at one of those schools. Okay. Like someone he's already familiar with. Uh, I think it's Penn state is his, his coach went to Penn state. Um, but it's, yeah, I think an energy big. And I think ACE, uh, you know, another guard off the bench would be, would be <laughs> now this is for, uh, let's let's end the pod here because I'm I'm feeling another conversation that will we could literally talk for another hour so let's end the pod here we lost we lost Trone midway but that's all good we'll figure out his technical well, difficulties for the next we had show. a fun so, last couple any closing weeks thoughts Jacob before and, uh, we roll know, out here future's bright getting into this transfer portal you know the transfer portal is super exciting so you know we'll see we'll see who we can get and when we can get them and see you know kind of what what we got going forward next year. Definitely. Uh, and we'll be around, right? We're going to have shows all the time. And I'm absolutely happy to announce I'm going to be hosting a Aztec Breakdown fan forum next week. So if you're listening to this and you want to participate, shoot me a DM. We're going to talk about some things uh, like your experience in the Final Four if you went, your favorite moments from the season. But we're also going to talk about things that, you know, really impact you. Are you comfortable paying more for season tickets? What kind of improvements do you want for Viejas? What are some things that you would like to see the, the program do in the future? We're really going to get the fan perspective, not just the, the five of us on our podcast. Um, really kind of see what the fans want, give you a forum. So if you are interested, the only requirements are, one, you must have a set of headphones or something that gives us some sort of audio quality above garbage and a stable internet connection. Uh, big ups to everyone. If you've, you're in a, a position at work, maybe where you talk to customer service or talking is easy for you. We're not just going to throw on everyone because I'm sure we're going to get a bunch of people hitting us up, but um, I've already reached out to some fans of the show that are really, really into it. But yeah, it's really open to everybody. Uh, I'll kind of get the format soon. Um, with the questions for everyone and we'll, we'll kind of make a little Twitter group and we'll get you out that information that way. But Aztec breakdown is going to be as active as ever, right? Normally during the summer, we kind of take some time off, but there are some things that we've, we've talked about doing in the past and things like all time greatest team or what would, you know, cool conversations like that, um, that, that we can have. And I can tell you right now, we've already, we're already about as active as we were last season. Um, it's not going to be a once a month yep. check-in thing, probably more like two, three shows a month. Uh, but now we have multiple shows, right? It's something that the the podcast evolved to. Jacob and I have our thing that we do uh, every now and then. Trone has the Pupcast. We've got Carly and Austin on the uh, you know their show that they do on Sunday nights, the two of them together. Um, there's just so much good stuff going on that, you know, it's, and by the way, I, I told you the wrong Twitter handle for Austin. It's at it's Austin Bolton, not Austin Bolton. So make sure you go follow him there. But basically what I'm saying, got a lot of cool things cooking. Hope you're coming for the ride for Jacob. Trone, myself, 
friends, thank you so much for being on this journey this season. And as always, go Aztecs.